Chapter Five, Part Two of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years Recollections of P. T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenevere. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter Five. My Start as a Showman, Part Two. And now that instinct, I think it must be, which can arouse a community and make it patronize, provided the article offered is worthy of patronage, an instinct which served me strangely in later years, astonishing the public and surprising me, came to my relief, and the help, curiously enough, appeared in the shape of an emphatic hiss from the pit. That hiss, I discovered, came from one Roberts, a circus performer, and I had an interview with him. He was a professional balancer and juggler, who boasted that he could do all Vivala had done and something more. I at once published a card in Vivala's name, offering $1,000 to anyone who could publicly perform Vivala's feats at such a place as should be designated, and Roberts issued a counter-card, accepting the offer. I then contracted with Mr. Warren, treasurer of the Walnut Street Theatre, for one-third of the proceeds if I should bring the receipts up to $400 a night, an agreement he could well afford to make, as his receipts the night before had been but $75. From him I went to Roberts, who seemed disposed to back down, but I told him I should not insist upon the terms of his published card and asked him if he was under any engagement. Learning that he was not, I offered him thirty dollars to perform under my direction one night at the Walnut, and he accepted. A great trial of skill between Roberts and Vivala was duly announced by posters and through the press. Meanwhile they rehearsed privately to see what tricks each could perform, and the business was completely arranged. Public excitement was at fever pitch, and on the night of the trial the pit and upper boxes were crowded to the full. Indeed, sales of tickets to these localities were soon stopped, for there were no seats to sell. The contest between the performers was eager, and each had his party in the house. So far as I could learn, no one complained that he did not get all he paid for on that occasion. I engaged Roberts for a month, and his subsequent contests with Vivala amused the public and put money in my purse. Vivala continued to perform for me in various places, including Peel's Museum in New York, and I took him to different towns in Connecticut and in New Jersey, with poor success sometimes, as frequently the expenses exceeded the receipts. In April 1836, I connected myself with Aaron Turner's Traveling Circus Company as ticket seller, secretary, and treasurer at $30 a month and one-fifth of the entire profits, while Vivala was to receive a salary of $50. As I was already paying him $80 a month, our joint salaries reimbursed me and left me the chance of 20% of the net receipts. We started from Danbury for West Springfield, Massachusetts, April 26th, and on the first day, instead of halting to dine, as I expected, 
Mr. Turner regaled the whole company with three loaves of rye bread and a pound of butter, bought at a farmhouse at a cost of fifty cents, and, after watering the horses, we went on our way. We began our performances at West Springfield, April 28th, and as our expected band of music had not arrived from Providence, I made a prefatory speech announcing our disappointment and our intention to please our patrons, nevertheless. The two Turner boys, sons of the proprietor, rode finely. Joe Pentland, one of the wittiest, best, and most original of clowns, with Vivala's tricks and other performances in the ring, more than made up for the lack of music. In a day or two our band arrived, and our houses improved. My diary is full of incidents of our summer tour through numerous villages, towns, and cities in New England, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, District of Columbia, Virginia, and North Carolina. While we were at Cabotville, Massachusetts, on going to bed one night, one of my roommates threw a lighted stump of cigar into a spit-box filled with sawdust, and the result was that about one o'clock, T. V. Turner, who slept in the room, awoke in the midst of a dense smoke, and barely managed to crawl to the window to open it, and to awaken us in time to save us from suffocation. At Lenox, Massachusetts, one Sunday, I attended church as usual, and the preacher denounced our circus and all connected with it as immoral and was very abusive. Whereupon, when he had read the closing hymn, I walked up the pulpit stairs and handed him a written request signed, P. T. Barnum, connected with the circus, June 5, 1836, to be permitted to reply to him. He declined to notice it, and after the benediction I lectured him for not giving me an opportunity to vindicate myself and those with whom I was connected. The affair created considerable excitement, and some of the members of the church apologized to me for their clergyman's ill behavior. A similar affair happened afterwards at Port Deposit, on the lower Susquehanna, and in this instance I addressed the audience for half an hour, defending the circus company against the attacks of the clergyman, and the people listened, though their pastor repeatedly implored them to go home. Often have I collected our company on Sunday and read to them the Bible or a printed sermon, and one or more of the men frequently accompanied me to church. We made no pretense of religion, but we were not the worst people in the world, and we thought ourselves entitled to at least a decent treatment when we went to hear the preaching of the gospel. The proprietor of the circus, Aaron Turner, was a self-made man who had acquired a large fortune by his industry. He believed that any man with health and common sense could become rich if he only resolved to be so, and he was very proud of the fact that he began the world with no advantages, no education, and without a shilling. Withal, he was a practical joker, as I more than once discovered to my cost. When we were at Annapolis, Maryland, he played a trick upon me which was fun to him, but very nearly death to me. We arrived on Saturday night, and as I felt quite flush, I bought a fine suit of black clothes. On Sunday morning I dressed myself in my new suit and started out for a stroll. When passing through the barroom, Turner called the attention of the company present to me and said, I think it very singular you permit that rascal to march your streets in open day. 
it wouldn't be allowed in rhode island and i suppose that is the reason the black-coated scoundrel has come down this way why who is he asked a half dozen at once don't you know why that is reverend e k avery the murderer of miss cornell is it possible they exclaimed all starting for the door eager to get a look at me and swearing vengeance it was only recently that the reverend ephraim k avery had been tried in rhode island for the murder of miss cornell whose body was discovered in a stackyard and though avery was acquitted in court the general sentiment of the country condemned him it was this avery whom turner made me represent i had not walked far in my fine clothes before i was overtaken by a mob of a dozen which rapidly increased to at least a hundred and my ears were suddenly saluted with such observations as the lecherous old hypocrite the sanctified murderer the black-coated villain lynch the scoundrel let's tar and feather him and like remarks which i had no idea applied to me till one man seized me by the collar while five or six more appeared on the scene with a rail come said the man who had collared me old chap you can't walk any farther we know you and as we always make gentlemen ride in these parts you may just prepare to straddle that rail my surprise may be imagined good heavens i exclaimed as they all pressed around me gentlemen what have i done oh we know you exclaimed half a dozen voices you needn't roll your sanctimonious eyes that game don't take in this country come straddle the rail and remember the stackyard i grew more and more bewildered i could not imagine what possible offence i was to suffer for and i continued to exclaim gentlemen what have i done don't kill me gentlemen but tell me what i have done come make him straddle the rail we'll show him how to hang poor factory girls shouted a man in the crowd the man who had me by the collar then remarked come mr avery it's no use you see we know you and we'll give you a touch of lynch law and start you for home again my name is not avery gentlemen you are mistaken in your man i exclaimed come come none of your gammon straddle the rail ephraim the rail was brought and i was about to be placed on it when the truth flashed upon me gentlemen i exclaimed i am not avery i despise that villain as much as you can my name is barnum i belong to the circus which arrived here last night and i am sure old turner my partner has hoaxed you with this ridiculous story if he has we'll lynch him said one of the mob well he has i assure you and if you will walk to the hotel with me i'll convince you of the fact this they reluctantly assented to do keeping however a close hand upon me as we walked up the main street the mob received a reinforcement of some fifty or sixty and i was marched like a malefactor up to the hotel old turner stood on the piazza ready to explode with laughter i appealed to him for heaven's sake to explain this matter that i might be liberated he continued to laugh but finally told them he believed there was some mistake about it the fact is said he my friend barnum has a new suit of black clothes on 
and he looks so much like a priest that I thought he must be Avery. The crowd saw the joke and seemed satisfied. My new coat had been half torn from my back, and I had been very roughly handled. But some of the crowd apologized for the outrage, declaring that Turner ought to be served in the same way, while others advised me to get even with him. I was very much offended, and when the mob dispersed, I asked Turner what could have induced him to play such a trick upon me. "'My dear Barnum,' he replied, "'it was all for our good. Remember, all we need to ensure success is notoriety. You will see that this will be noised all about town as a trick played by one of the circus managers upon the other, and our pavilion will be crammed tomorrow night.' It was even so. The trick was told all over the town, and everyone came to see the circus managers who were in a habit of playing practical jokes upon each other. We had fine audiences while we remained at Annapolis, but it was a long time before I forgave Turner for his rascally joke. End of chapter 5, part 2